Hey everyone, this is Brooks Campbell, the wonderful voice of Ikmer. I know, everyone's favorite character. Before we get into things, thank you, thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We absolutely love every one of you. And if you would like to get involved, please look us up. There are tons of really cool personal things that you can get into when you subscribe. Also, we want to debut some fantastic news that is going to happen. We are going to have members of the Hideous Laughter crew at PaizoCon this year. We can't wait to reach out and see some of our amazing, amazing fans. So if you are there, please let us know. We can't wait to see you in person. And as always, say uh, tell us about your friends, family, tell a coworker, whoever it might be. We always appreciate that. Without further ado, this is episode 37, Slight at the Museum. Like liquor and things that go boo? Then buckle up, listener, because this one's for you. Prepare yourself for the Hideous Laughter Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Hideous Laughter Podcast, episode 37. Whew. You guys are in Leopardstadt, and you're ready to go. I'm excited to see what you do with your first full day. But before we get there, Emily, what are you drinking? What is this garbage? <laughs> I'm unprepared. <laughs> Good thing it was right next to me. I'm drinking This a, episode is bullshit. Jesus. Uh, a hard strawberry lemonade. Jesus. Got it. <laughs> Haley, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Georgian tea, so vodka and uh, peach tea. Speaking nice. of people that are peach tea, Steve, what are you drinking? What? All right, Playoff well, of peachy. Bring nice. this on yourself. This is a real juicy Team Slurp episode, oh, so God. get ready, Team No Slurp, because I'm coming in hot because I'm mad. Oh, what the? That, that's that not even... Foul. That's not even okay. That's just... It's a hams griffin. <laughs> Gross. Now, Brooks, you uh, you were the poor soul that had to submit to the Patreon-voted uh, cocktail. That's right. What I'm holding up to it. <laughs> what is it you're drinking? It's a uh, liquid cocaine. Liquid cocaine. Is... Sounds super tame. Oh, I know. I plan on taking another one right before going to bed because it's just that smooth. <laughs> it's that smooth. Yeah, it is Jaeger, cinnamon schnapps, mint schnapps, peppermint schnapps. And unfortunately, we didn't have 151 at our local liquor store, but normally it is made with that as well. Uh, so here tell that You've had some uh, questionable experiences with peppermint schnapps. 
Ah, no, it's a uh, cinnamon schnapps. Cinnamon schnapps. Cinnamon schnapps are. Care to divulge? Um. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Because. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, it is a drink that I had in college one time. I drank the whole bottle at the. Well, during that time, <laughs> during and that time. <laughs> I got myself alcohol poisoned over it. So, oh, <laughs> no, so you're really ready to get back in the saddle? Yeah, there are there are a few liquors that really don't don't go well with me. And that's absinthe, Jägermeister, and cinnamon schnapps. Oh, so, well, you're two for three, man. I know. I well. I'm ready. Well, before you drink that, because I want to get your uh, your reaction, I'm drinking a White Claw, but it's the mango flavor. Ooh, that's great. Can't say I'm not. All right. Drum roll, please. Wow, he's really taking his time. It's a bizarre uh, way to Pouring really oddly. You would pour I, it out I, of the straw hole. I thought he was just going <laughs> to drink it. Does it have any air to go through? Yeah. Okay, it's a shot. Yeah, it's a shooter. Beat okay. the beast. All right. Beat well, the beast. beast. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Yay. Oh, oh no. Take that chaser, buddy. <laughs> You've earned it. So how was that? Um, Could have been worse. Yeah? Oh, okay. okay. Could have been worse. There's more guys. You don't you think like it's, it? You don't think it's coming back up? <laughs> no, it's definitely not coming back up. All right, because I am not five years old. Oh, like okay. When I started oh, drinking, okay. yeah. I was hoping we get the first peak of the pod, but yeah, alas, well, one of these glory days, probably episode fifty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I crack open that natty that's been sitting in the back of the fridge. Also, yeah. that might be more than puke. Don't worry, I'll get the timeline on that, Natty, actually. We're going to have to pause. Please do. Because of that. Oh, Emily just took a sip. Oh, oh, that smells so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Give it here. It smells, yeah. All right, make its way around the table. It's oh, like a you. mouthful of gum, oh. both mint and cinnamon. So like a big red and like the regular actually, Yeah, it's not that bad. The regular gum? Yeah. It's not the worst. It but. doesn't burn as much as I thought it would. It's just like... wow. I thought the cinnamon was going to, like, absolutely fuck with me. It really does smell like gum. Well, that's exactly what Big Red is, so. No, it's not that bad. No. Yeah. Well, Just like Big Red. Next time, we'll have to put 151 in there. Yeah, that would probably do the trick. Want it? I didn't Google the ingredients, so I don't know if I can. Okay. So. Then that's that. Brooks, you have taken one for the team. We appreciate you. Now it's time for the rest of the cast to roll off to see who the next Patreon beverage will be. And I appreciate the Patreoners for giving that to me. Oh, fuck me. Oh, boy. What'd you get? Let's, 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 let's end on Griffin. I got a four. <laughs> Guess what? We're twinsies. You're not supposed to roll. Yeah, you're not rolling. Oh, okay, then fine. But you just went. I, I, I'm, just saying, go hey, I'm just trying to do my part here. I got a seven. I got a 17. Natural one, baby. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Not, you know what that means. Nothing but hard liquor. Give me the liquor drinks. Give me the liquor drinks. <laughs> All right. 
It's decided. Okay, why don't we hop into Imagination Land, take a step into the flat of Embereth Deramid. She told you to finish your drinks last time. She has just tasked you with finding out some information on the beast. She needs an unbiased party to act on the beast's behalf. You see, Lepidstad is completely biased against this monster. And as a judge, she doesn't want to stand by and participate in an unfair trial. She's asked the four of you to act in somewhat secrecy, find out information on the beast, and potentially present it at its trial. All right, I'm excited. Now, there are likely two paths that you can take this morning. You know that where the beast was captured is just now being somewhat cleaned up. It was an active crime scene. Most of the investigators have finished their work. And so you might still be able to find some details on what happened there before it gets fully cleaned. You also were told about a man named Montagne Crow, who is professor of antiquities at the University of Lepidstadt, and it's his department that got ransacked. Ambrith also told you that you could go straight to the courthouse. You could meet with the beast defender, Barrister Koppel. I think we should start gathering evidence before we talk to the defender. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely, because it's about to be like cleaned up even far further, and that could mean evidence being taken away, or we just missed some based on the cleanup. Yeah, you do have a bit of a ticking clock on that one. So I think that's what we should do first. Okay. The University of Lepidstadt is not difficult to find. You recognize the square that you walk through as you head in its direction. You see, the, the university was actually one of the first places you would have passed through as you headed into town, and it is adjacent to the square in which the riots were happening last night. You make your way there, and upon arriving, you see a large stone and marble building with a sign reading Museum of Antiquities. It has a long, wide staircase as you approach. You can see that it's kind of bustling for, for as early in the morning as it is. Make me a perception check. Also, if this is in the morning, Ikmer would have sharpened his sword. Uh, Matumbe would have prayed as well. I think you both did that last episode. <laughs> Just did it again to be okay. sure. Yep. It's it's extra sharp. Extra so, sharp. So he can uh, shave off his minimal beard that's growing in. Okay, good. It's getting less and less minimal these days. We're, we're seeing him grow up before our eyes. <laughs> so what'd you guys get? Perception comes up to a 19. 19. 10 here. Uh, 16, unless it's for disguises. 
Nope. Okay. Five. Okay. So those above a 15 would be able to see that the people bustling around and, and they're coming out of the main entrance and back in. And you can kind of see as they enter and exit with the doors open, you see that people are starting to clean. But it looks like a tornado blew through in there still. There's wreckage all around. We must hurry. It looks like uh, we still have time, but it looks like the the, uh, the crime scene is being cleaned up as we speak. Well, maybe this crowd isn't such a bad thing. We could possibly use it for cover if we really needed to. That's a fair point. We should enter now. Okay, so you guys approach the building and enter through the wide double doors. You're greeted by a large atrium, completely disheveled, bookshelves overturned, pottery smashed on the ground, trinkets and papers are kind of just scattered across the floor. You're greeted by a man, and he looks a bit disheveled, but kind of excited by the commotion. Uh, well, hello. You don't look like the cleaning crew we hired to, uh, you know, assess the damages here and, and help us clean up our beloved museum. Uh, who, who might you be? The museum's closed to the general public until we get it put back in order. Hi there. We're looking for Dr. Crow. We have a few books to give him. Oh, well, you've come to the right place, uh, my dear. I, I am Dr. Crow. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, I'm so sorry. My name's Lyra. Hello, Lyra. Um, uh, what, what books do you have for me? Did you know Professor Lorimore? Oh, Petros, uh, what a friend, what a great colleague to have here at the university. Uh, how do you know Petros? What, what books? I, I did lend him a few books. We're here to return those books. He, he was like a mentor to me. And now that he's gone, we're carrying out his last wishes. He's gone? What, what do you mean? Oh, you didn't hear? No. No. Hear, hear what? He's dead. There may be nicer ways to say oh. that. I, I can't believe I, I wasn't told. Uh, the professor and I went and went way back. Uh, we were, uh, I thought we were, we were great friends. Um, wow. Uh, okay. Um, what, what books did you bring me? Uh, I, he had a he had a couple uh, that were outstanding from from my collection. A couple strange ones to pick up. Well, uh, about those books. So, Umbreth Judge Umbreth uh, mentioned that she might be able to well help help us out with holding on to them a little bit more. You see, he was doing some research and. We, we think that they could could further help us. Um, pardon 
my asking, but how how do you believe a couple of well, truly evil, pretty vile books are gonna help you out? What what do you need them for exactly? The subject itself we are studying is evil. These evil tomes could go a long way in helping us discover more about it. Make a diplomacy check. Sure thing. 19 total. Yeah, 19 would do. Um, well, I suppose the professors had them for a couple of years. I, I don't think anybody's going to miss them much. We haven't missed them so far. Uh, as long as you can promise eventual delivery, because they are valuable text, but um, I don't I don't think we need them terribly in the moment here. Oh yes, I am a man who very much greatly values books, so you have nothing to fear. We will not lose or tamper with them in any way. Speaking of things that have been tampered with, it appears that this wing of your museum is in need of repair. <laughs> you must be new to town. Do I look like I'm new to town? A, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the trial of the beast. The beast of Lepidstats on trial. Uh, he trashed my museum here. And, oh boy. Oh, jeez. We're, we're a little devastated here. I mean, look at all the knowledge we lost. Look, at it, it, it's trashed. I... We're going to have to be collecting for hundreds of years to, to get the collection back to what it was. What was lost? Well, many things were broken. And we, we only actually lost one item. Well, there's, there's only one thing unaccounted for, and we're doing our best to clean up. Hopefully we can find it, but it hasn't turned up yet. It was a... A strange little artifact. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Well, um, we have a detective with us who probably is pretty good at finding stuff. We can help. That's right. I am Ikmer and at your service. Oh, wow. Um, oh, we're, so, we're so happy to have uh, another set of eyes to, to look at the crime scene. Uh, I, I can tell you a little bit you know what we're looking for it's it's this really it's it's small it's a small it's made of uh green sea stone little figurine it's um it's of some tentacled creature uh we we called it the sea sage effigy you said you appreciated it was that for the history of the item maybe some sort of intrinsic value or some otherworldly property. Well, I myself appreciated it because of the mystery behind it. We've had many scholars look at it. It doesn't seem to represent a deity that we can think of. We're not really sure exactly where it's from or why it was used. I don't even think it's intrinsically valuable. I mean, the, you could pull that kind of stone up from Lake and Carthen if you wanted to. It's not rare in any way, so to speak, but it's just an anomaly. It's it's strange. How interesting. 
I do have a bit of a theory on it, though. And since you guys have the books, you've probably heard of the Dark Tapestry. Yes? No? Maybe? Yes, once or twice. We've heard rumblings. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh. I've definitely <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> Roll <Roll-up. laughs> <laughs> He's actually rolling it. Go for it. True to his character? It's a three. <laughs> <laughs> so, my theory is that this is, this isn't really a venerating a god. It, it wasn't venerating a god, but but maybe perhaps it was venerating something from behind the dark tapestry. Things back there seem to, you know, the whole tentacle thing. I've heard stories that that might be similar. It might be something some old god that, that we don't really worship on Galarian anymore. That's all very, very interesting. And, you know, from my perspective, I I would think that Lyra actually has more experience with seaward uh, things, I guess. And you can explain that more to her, but I'm, I'm definitely more interested in how you think the beast went through uh, the museum, possibly like how he got in. Oh well, I'd I'd be happy to show you where you know where ex- we expect he entered the museum, and he would lead you to kind of like a back foyer. Perfect. Uh, you would see that the door appears to be broken off of its hinges. Go ahead and make me a perception check. Or a survival, hopefully. Um, or maybe not yet. On this one, you could use disable device. Oh, I don't have that. So I mean, yeah, you, perception I or disable device. Right, perception would be. It's an eighteen for Ikmer. I had a twenty-four. Anyone else? I had a sixteen. Five. You would all know that this. <laughs> <laughs> this door appear- appears to have been kicked in. And you can tell because the hinges, the way the hinges swing, it, it wouldn't knock the door. The door would knock all the way down if it was broken into from the outside. It would have just busted open from the inside. A beer always helps me think. <laughs> <laughs> You would then be able to see, like, if you wanted to make a survival check or something around the ground, you might be able to look for tracks or something. Yeah, that's that's definitely. That is a 15 for Ikmer. 18 off the die from Atumbe. Goes up to a 22 for survival. Goes up to a 24 because track. <laughs> ah, I forgot about that. That's right. So... Ikmer, you're looking at the scene and you can tell that it's been decently disturbed. I mean, people have been coming and going, trying to clean up. There's a lot of footprints. Matumbe, you see these and probably because of the weight behind them, 
you can still make them out. Large footprints coming in. It almost looks as if whatever was wearing these boots that made the tracks had like nails embedded in the in the boots. Oh boy. It appears that this indeed, if the door was not evidence enough, certainly is where the beast came into the museum. Pro- Professor Crow, I have a question for you. Yes, um what is it? If the beast is in custody, then how is there a missing item? Well, we thought that somewhat curious as well. I mean, his, his person was searched and it didn't turn up on him. Granted, he's pretty imposing and I don't know how thorough the search was. It may be that it's just somewhere in the debris here, but with that 24, would I have been able to see if anything else came in with him? With the 24, it's a little difficult to time mm-hmm. the tracks. I think you can only make these out because, because they're, they're so, so big and, yeah. you know, and have nails at the bottom <laughs> of them, uh, which may lead you to believe that something else coming in with him without the same, you know, weight maybe wouldn't have left as long lasting tracks, but you're not sure. Okay. Dr. Kraut, has anyone been particularly interested in this artifact in the past few months? Uh, well, no. I mean, like I said, it, it's not particularly valuable. Uh, it's hardly even a popular exhibit here. I mean, people look at it and maybe think it's cool, but most people that are interested in it are, are just interested for their own intellectual curiosity more than anything. How did you come to have this artifact? Well, we got it off of a trader uh, probably five or six years ago. Somehow, you know, dealing in, in rare and strange items. So that's how we come across some of these. Some are donated by the likes of the Pathfinder Society and and others we just kind of we kind of pick up and, and maybe see the value in more so than other people. I think this was one of those cases. Um Professor Crow, uh who caught him? Well the guard ended up catching him. Um some of the some of the staff was uh, alerted to his presence and those of you above a 15 looking at the door would remember a kind of like a, a silk thread that appeared to be broken. Anyone with knowledge arcana can make it. Yeah. No. Yes, 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 I have that. <laughs> Natural one. So a nine. 19. 15 off the die. That's going up to a 23. I'm rolling hot tonight. Yeah. Matumbe is the only one that knows that this would have had the alarm spell on it. And so when the, between when the beast broke in and when he was captured, you would imagine he was at least found. 
relatively quickly because that spell was triggered, and so it would basically be shrieking. Magical security system. Right, but who was the first on the scene? Um, One of the staff. They promptly ran away. So are are you saying that there there was indeed someone here when he broke in, no? No, uh, roughly ten minutes had passed. You see, he broke in in the middle of the night. Um, people aren't allowed to stay in the museum, but we, we do have night guards at the University of Lepidstadt, so one of them uh, was first on the scene. Uh, with those revival checks, you can pretty easily follow the path of the beast into this auditorium. It's got a raised, uh, basically, viewing area with a long oaken handle, kind of so people can lean up against it and look down below. Make a perception check here. 17 total. Ickmer's a little less perceptive with a two. Oof. Six on the die for a 13. 11 for Lyra. So, Matumbe, in this room, you would... You're kind of smelling the air, and it has this scent of beeswax. Seems... Not the bees. Strange to you. (laughs) The bees! It's a... Wicker Man reference for all of those who definitely don't get that yet. I, I didn't get it. Oh, I'm sorry. This can also be survival. If, if anyone has that, you can roll it separate. That won't okay. help. Does anybody else smell those bees? It's actually another 15 for Ekmer. <laughs> you have survival as well. Do you want to roll it? Everyone oh, oh. has survival. It's a oh. I, I, I didn't realize that was a different check as opposed yeah, to... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got an eight for survival because I have a plus zero. Uh, my survival goes up to a 20 unless it's tracks and then it's a 22. Nice. Am, I, am I trying to track oh, the bees? Uh, you're partially tracking, but you would have got it with a 20 anyway. Cool. You see uncharacteristic of the fine oak. Now, now this this handrail is relatively worn from people leaning against it, but you see distinct scratches on it. About midway through, finding these scratches, you head to the place where the rail is scratched and look down. You see that the tile down below is cracked, as if something heavy had fallen from up here down into the viewing area below. Is there any debris down there, like something like a, a big artifact fell and shattered, or no. just cracked tile? Yep. Ikmo, Eclipse, Lyra, come over this way. It looks like something was either pushed or fell over onto the floor below. That's very interesting, Matumbe. I think we should head down there and see what's going on. Hey, Griff, can I make potentially a, like, knowledge engineering check to approximate, like, how heavy such an object would have to be? Yeah. Can I make that check, too? Yeah. (laughs) I am not rolling good today. Got another six. 
plus eight, so 14. I got a 25. Man. Damn, This is son. the best I've ever rolled on this show. You're the new detective. You're going to take the title. Whoa, Give whoa, me that whoa. God's damn magic. <laughs> <laughs> he'd fight tooth and nail for that. <laughs> or he'd just cry. Time for PvP. <laughs> he'd he'd probably just cry. It would take something at least 600 pounds to crack the tile, and that would be at the low end of your estimate. Mm. 600 pound object fill from here. Do you think the beast was in a bit of a struggle with somebody else in here? He might be over 600 pounds. Make a knowledge local check, those of you that have it. No. Not Ikmer. Or a... Well, no. We'll use knowledge local for this. Pretty low, guys. 14. Nobody else has it? No. No. No one else is local. Ikmer make an intelligence check. Awesome. I have a plus four. How to tank the party. <laughs> That's right. With a 16 on the die. Damn. Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, you remember Zokar telling you that the beast was 12 feet tall. Now, it, by your reckoning, a creature that size potentially would weigh even more than that. Okay. Well, guys, based on what I heard, uh, from from Father Zokar, he was about twelve. Uh, the beast was about twelve feet tall, about half as uh, tall as, or er, I mean, twice as tall, twice as tall as I am. <laughs> and well, I'm not half of six hundred three. 300 I'm not exactly that much um so therefore I'm not 100% sure it would be necessarily the beast that fell from here okay why don't we ask Dr. Crow what was over here also Dr. Crow this is where the the well I idol um the Sea, sea sage was was held. Correct? Oh, the the effigy. Um, no, my boy. Uh, it's it's actually through the. If if you were to drop down into the atrium, there's a there's a door that heads to the workshop where, you know, it was. It's kind of a more intimate viewing area, if you will. Oh, I think we should head down there. I I think perhaps the beast jumped over the railing or something and maybe he was carrying something at the time that increased his weight that's a very good point Matumbe wearing armor or something potentially yeah you know you're turning out to be a pretty good detective that means a lot coming from you let's go down there Dr. Crow do you mind if we you know take a take a look down there not not at all it's it's an absolute mess in there um but Yes, yes, feel free, feel free. Uh, and he would lead you down, uh, which you, you realize you have to exit the kind of the area that overlooks the auditorium and enter below in order to get into the lower level. Did he actually tell us where what was being viewed down here? It's like an auditorium for lectures. Oh, you can okay. imagine, like, like people would be up here. There, you see, like, a podium 
down there. So it looks like it looks like somebody would be lecturing to a group of people in this area. Got it's it. not like okay. a viewing area, and that's why it's it's mostly clean. It appears to be. Got it. Why did he take us in here? You followed the tracks of the beast into here. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Personally, I'm a bit more confused than even Nickmar is. <laughs> <laughs> so you follow these tracks through the lower level of the auditorium and into the workshop. Now, as you open the door here, you see that this room maybe looks the worst for wear. It looks like, you know, bookshelves have been purposely turned over. You see stuff like, like shrunken heads and shattered pottery, all sorts of knickknacks all over the floor, many broken. Make a perception check. Where exactly was the uh, the sea sage kept at? Was it was it also down here? It was in this room. Okay. Everybody, perception check results. Natural one, so eight. Jesus, Ailey. Seventeen. Twenty-four total. Wow. With the twelve from Ikmer. Okay. Lyra and Matumbe notice. There is one area of this room that looks untouched. It's a podium, and the podium is covered in pearls and and carvings of fish and sea aquatic life. Ornate. And I think Dr. Crow would see you guys looking at that area, maybe heading towards it. He'd say, "Oh, that—that's where the effigy was was kept on that that podium." It's beautiful, and also fairly untouched. It seems like maybe it was taken, and she would go up and touch the ornate work. I mean, what do your your characters think of this? It's like the only area that's clean. Uh, Matumbe looks over to Eclipse. Eclipse, I have seen before that you have a certain affinity with the history of objects. Would you mind coming over here and telling me if you could pull anything interesting off this podium, considering that it is untouched in this room of destruction? Yeah, and Eclipse will put down the shrunken head she picked up and uh, walk over there and touch the podium. What Eclipse sees is an undisturbed room. Nothing touched. Nothing shattered. No bookshelves overturned. And she feels as if the weight of an object is lifted off of her. And then she comes back. Uh, well, guys, this was taken before the beast. I see. Should I have said that out loud? Make me another perception check, folks. It's coming back. Four on the die. That's ten. 
19 for Ikmer. Ooh. Only a 15 for Lyra. 18 on the die, so 25. Nice. Eclipse is the only one to know. Dang it. And she's... I think you all are kind of searching around this room and examining the podium and that kind of thing, just trying to get the lay of the land. Eclipse passes by the waist-high windows in this room, large, leaded windows, and maybe it's just because she's low enough to the ground that the sills are kind of right in her face. She notices that of the three windows... Two of them, covered in grime, look like they haven't been open in ages. But the middle one, that appears to have been opened recently. Can I use my psychometry to uh, touch the recently opened window and get more information about historical significance of the last uh, thing that touched it or used the item? Yes. Is that how that works? Is there no save for me? Kind of like ob- object reading, but based on appraise checks. Uh, once a day, I can concentrate for a minute. When I'm in physical contact with an item or a location, I will receive flashes of insight regarding the subject's nature and ownership, ownership, and I would gain a specific piece of information about the historical significance of the last previous owner, uh the last thing that touched it, the emotional state of the last owner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I have to make a DC 15 appraise check. Okay. And then I learn one if I make the DC 15. If I exceed it again. By five? Uh, actually, like by five. 10, I get another piece of information, but I can concentrate for an additional minute and like keep getting potential information. Okay. So... I am going to try that appraise check, and hopefully I roll okay. I have a plus nine, so, like, it's hopeful. That's a nice. potential for you to beat it twice. Yes. Ooh, okay, yes. I rolled a 14, so 25. Exactly twice. Wait, I thought you said you have a plus nine. Does that make it 23? Just kidding. I did math wrong. Yep, you did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. So I need to tell you about the last person that touched it. Uh, essentially, yeah. I, I get basically visions that would tell me something of historical significance or something about the last person who touched it, etc. It's night. You're looking through the leaded pane of glass into the workshop into the Museum of Antiquities. The window begins to open and you see a disfigured face, a huge hand lifting this window. The beast stares back at you and its other hand, a small green idol you take it and then we fade back thank you so professor crow 
or Dr. Crow? Um, this has been really infor- infor- uh, helpful information for us in our investigation. Uh, hopefully we can get back to you with some notes, but we're going to go talk to that guard, aren't we, guys? Yeah, and if that statue turns up, I would love to see it. Oh, yeah, feel free. Um, you know, we, we don't charge admission at, at the museum. It's more for, for the spreading of knowledge. And so if we ever get it back, you know, feel free to come back. I, I really appreciate everybody's interest in this. It's, um, it's heartwarming that anybody gives a shit about the weird stuff I study. Where there is death, there is always rebirth. I'm sure your museum will bounce back to life very soon. I appreciate the sentiment. We're really hoping we can get it cleaned up in short order. That's very true. I mean, we really appreciate all you've done and letting us keep the books for at least a little bit longer. And we'd we'd love to come back when the museum is in tip-top shape. Oh, well, don't mention it about the books. Um, they'll, they'll do better with somebody that actually wants to read them than sitting on a shelf. So we're walking out, right? Yep. yep. All right. As we walk out, can I do some sort of spellcraft or knowledge arcana to see if this looks like, uh, or even survival or something, to see if this looks like a natural path or if this looks like someone who's been controlled? Because it's super destructive. I, I can't imagine, like... I will let everybody like aid one person. On what? On a survival check. All right. Which one of the two of you, Matumbe and Ikmer? If it's tracks, I got a plus six. I got a plus five already. Let's let you shine. Let's, let's let Ikmer shine. Boy detective. All right. Fucking Christ. I rolled a 19 off the die. Oh. 15 off the die for a Okay, hit, okay, so. okay. I aid with a 16. I definitely don't aid. Okay, so 20, or yeah, 20 with my total, plus two from Matumbe, plus two from Eclipse. 24. You don't know. Damn it. 19 probably would have got it, though. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, my 25. God. DC 25. You're, yeah, you're, you're not sure, but. Boy, I feel like if I did this myself, I could figure it out. Also, if Lyra tries to detect magic, is there any sort of lingering, intense magical auras that she sees? No, I mean, she sees faint auras from, from some of the knickknacks and stuff that are slightly magical, but no lingering aura of, of some magic that occurred here that is no longer here. I see we move on. Yeah, E would start ushering people out of here, too, because she wants to talk in private. Yeah. I think that was pretty obvious from your tone. Yeah, I think Eclipse's tone. I just know, like, she would, any pleasantries at the end type of thing, she would be like, all right, come on, come on, type of uh, moments. So once we're out of the museum, is there a, like, alley or something where we think we wouldn't be heard? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's the middle of the day. The dark alleys probably don't have many ruffians in them yet. They're not extremely dark. Anyways. <laughs> I am the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you would turn to you guys. 
All right. So, you know, I have the whole psychic kind of stuff sometimes. Well, uh, the beast gave the statue to someone through the window. Like, I saw that. Which means the beast didn't take it, but the beast gave it away. I don't know why. We might need to talk to the beast. So maybe he was working for somebody or was compelled to do something he did not want to do. He, he still broke in, though, so... I mean, as far as the law goes, I think we should still keep that in mind. But I agree. I mean, it seems a bit odd that he would break in just to give it away. Right. Why would he do that? Did you have any idea of who it was he gave it to? Uh, unfortunately, my visions kind of work how they want. Uh whether I like that or not. Uh, so I only saw through the person's eyes. And so I saw the beast and my hand reach and grab the statue. Okay. So we have a mystery figure potentially pulling the strings. Who do we speak to next? Maybe the beast wasn't all alone right away, you know? We could talk to the guards to see if they saw any suspicious cloaked figures lurking around. Absolutely. Certainly worth doing. We should speak to them. So you guys heading to... Levenstadt University Guards. The Levenstadt University Guards, not the courthouse. No. Okay. So you would head to, you know, kind of like the gate front gate of the university. That's where the guards are usually posted up. Hello? Who is the guard that caught the beast? Well, that'd be me. Yes, hello. My name is Eclipse. What is yours? Um, my name's Shirley, but, but don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> what do you prefer we call you? Cheryl. Cheryl? Cheryl. 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 Is that one syllable or two? It depends. Depends how you like to say it. Earlier that night, did you see anyone out of place? Maybe walking around the outside of the university? Nah, can't can't rightly say I did. I, I came upon the... You know, that Museum of Antiquities because, uh... The screeching alarm that, that went off. I was I was at my post here. Did you observe any cloaked or hooded figures outside stalking the premises? Well, I can't say I had. Um, I came in through the front door. Saw this gigantic monstrosity. Middle of the room. Raging and tearing. Tearing shit apart. It scared the bejesus out of me. I... I didn't want to take him on by by myself. He would have torn me in half, so I waited for the town guard to, to come back me up, and it he would just run in the muck all through the museum, tearing apart things, tearing things off the wall. I I don't understand it. I, when we finally took him, he came peacefully. When you heard this commotion, were you inside the museum or outside the museum? Like I said, I 
I was out here at my post and I heard the alarm from the museum. So I went to check it out. And you are sure you did not see anything on the way? No, I I did not, sir. And can you, well, uh, the days to come, did er, leading up to the event, did you possibly see anybody then? Nobody, I mean, it's a big university, but, but nobody I was suspicious of. And what about the, the state of the beast that he, well, when you first saw him, did you think that he was, well, did he look like he was in his right mind? No, or? sir. He looked like he was far from it, out of his mind, tearing things apart. Some kind of blind rage. I, I don't understand it. Uh, I mean, again, I, I'm surprised he calmed down and was was taken relatively quietly. You've been in this town for a while, right? Yes, ma'am, I have. Does the Beast have any friends or <laughs> anyone that supported him? Nobody is friends with the Beast, you crazy lady. He's a Beast. What are you, what are you trying to reckon over there? I'm just saying, everyone has family. <laughs> I don't know that that Beast has family. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Well, all right. If if he was a loner, he was a loner. Where does the beast live? Rumor had it that uh, for at least a time he was living in the Dipplemere Swamp. That's where people saw him most frequently, it seemed. Do you think anyone ever went to visit him? Not that I ever heard of. I mean, I don't, I don't rightly know... Where you even would have lived in such a swamp. Okay. It sounds like maybe we just have to go talk to the beast. That sounds about right. Thank you for for your information, uh, Charlie. I mean... Cheryl. Oh, I wasn't supposed to call you. Cheryl. <laughs> it's Cheryl. Sh- sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, with this information can roll me a knowledge local or a knowledge arcana. Ooh, I got that one. We back, baby. That's a 26 knowledge arcana. Mm-hmm. I rolled a 15, so 23. Nice. Anybody else roll? Nope. A four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... You guys have just gathered a lot of information, and I think one thing seems strange to those of you with above 20 knowledge arcana. Seems strange that you're not not sure what kind of magic might have been used, but from all you can tell, especially from Eclipse's visions, seems like the beast came in relatively calmly and with a purpose seems like he went straight towards the the podium with the C-Sage effigy but when he was found shortly thereafter he was in a blind rage tearing apart the museum so if the beast came in like with a plan 
and went out with like a big bang and a rage. We need to figure out what the heck was his plan? Why why did he come in so calm and then hand away the effigy and then run out and destroy everything? Maybe he was trying to or whoever was orchestrating it was trying to cover up the fact that they took an artifact. Sometimes I just get really bad, I guess. And so then I guess I would be raging. Is this is this what this is? I think that's close to what this is. I think what happened is uh, the beast came in with an objective. He achieved that objective. And then the, the, the second part of that plan would be to trash the place on the way out to cover up the theft. So, uh, are you saying that he wasn't mad at something? I guess I don't under quite understand. No, we'll explain it to you later. I think it would be helpful if we could talk to the beast himself. Maybe he still has memories of it. Ed Dunn didn't seem to... Th- want us to actually talk to him maybe we should talk to his lawyer first and then we can convince him that we should talk to the beast a a lawyer it's someone that helps you talk legal talk so that you have the best chance of getting off free he's a helper oh got it so that's who I would I don't know give Give my evidence to, because I'm the evidence guy. N- not, not quite. Let's not share all of it yet, but eventually, maybe. Let's talk to this lawman and see what he has to say about the beast. Okay, so you guys are heading to the Lepidstack Courthouse. Yep. Yeah, and I think Ikmer now has a very vague idea of what raging is okay so as you approach you see a large squat building dominated by an enormous clock and it's overlooking the town square a huge figure of wood roughly man-shaped stands in the square in front of the building this is the square you were in last night the large squat building being the Lepidstack Courthouse okay is there as many people as there were last night? No, you can see that although there's like debris and stuff around the square, it's business as usual. Okay. And there's no guards or anything outside the doors? Of outside the, the doors of the, of the courthouse? courthouse? No. So let's just walk inside. I mean, it is a public building. Right. I'm pretty sure that they, <laughs> they will let all of us in. So, as you enter, you guys place yourselves on the map. God damn! Every do- but but courthouse doors though, maybe maybe. Uh, so you see ornate pillars. They appear to be supporting a balcony about fifteen feet up. Beneath the balcony, wide steps lead up to a huge iron-bound door. Printed public notices are posted on the wooden board next to the door. Presently, these notices detail the upcoming trial 
in long-winded legal language. Um, is there normally somebody just kind of waiting here? You actually do see a acting Sergeant Dunn sitting in this entry room. It provides access, this room, to most of the other rooms in the courthouse's ground floor. You see a heavy iron trap door that covers a stone stairway that leads down to the jail and the cellar below. It's our friend. Oh, uh, hey gang, uh, what, what do you need? We've been kind of poking around town, and we think it would be helpful if we could talk with the Beast's lawyer. Ah, uh, Gustav Koppel, he's, uh, he's in his office upstairs. Is it okay if we go up there? Oh yeah, by, by all means, go ahead. And so you guys head up the stairs to the second floor of the courthouse. Okay. Oh, man. (laughs) You guys ascend the stairs and enter on what appears to be a courtroom. This courtroom is actually relatively grand. You see it's paneled in dark oak. It has a vaulted ceiling, roughly 25 feet high. There are three throne-like chairs with built-in lecterns for what you can imagine would be judges. The witness stand is directly in front of the judge's seats. Two polished mahogany desks, one for the defense and one for the prosecution, stand facing the justice's chairs. You also see an iron restraining chair with six sets of manacles for the accused. Make me a knowledge local or engineering. Engineering! None of those. I'm up to a nine. It's not good. I rolled a three, so eleven. Oh. You don't know much. Cool. You can hear noise coming from the door directly to your north and from the door to your north e- to the northeast. Do they have name plaques on them? They do, in fact. The door to the north says prosecution. The door in the middle says judge's quarters and to the northeast says defense. Defense it is. We kick down the door of the prosecution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, guys, is that, you know, chair for restraining, is that the one where they have to tie the judges down all day? (laughs) For all you know, yeah. Dude, that was a great callback to the last episode. (laughs) I gotta give you props for that one. That's pretty good. Uh, Before you leave this room, you actually look up and you see that there appears to be this large atrium area. You'd imagine that might be where people not directly in the trial would view it. It's about 10 feet up. Okay. Do you proceed to the defense room and knock on the door? Yes. Yep. You knock and this imposing, he's maybe six foot two, looks, he has kind of like sharp features, opens the door and looks at you. This is what he looks like. Hmm. Imposing with sharp features. It's like Agent Smith from The Matrix. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, balding. Hugo Weaving. 
New casting. New casting. Hugo Weaving. Got him. Uh, and he would introduce himself. Hello, hello. Uh, my, my, my name is Barrister Kappel. Uh, p- pleasure. It's nice to meet you. My name's Lyra. What what brings brings you here, Lyra? We've been doing a little bit of investigating around the town into the the beast. We are neutral parties in the case, and we want to make sure we get to the bottom of this. If he's innocent, we want to make sure he's set free. Well, well, well I I do. I am defending him, but but I did, do kind of b- believe that he m- may, may be guilty. That doesn't sound like the right mindset for his defense. I am r- r- relatively d- neutral as well, but the c- circumstances and, and w- w- what I've been able to find don't s- support his innocence. We have some new information, and I think we can gain more if we could talk to you further. Well, well, please, please come in. Thank you. And I guess we would all shuffle into his rather small office. Yeah, you can see he doesn't have enough chairs for all of you guys. His desk almost occupied. Like, it's like a squeeze for him to kind of get past the wall on the desk. Then we'd close the door. Well. <laughs> okay. Matube stands in front of the door. So, so, so you, you, you have the vested interest in in de- def- defending the beast. Not. We just want to make sure that he has a fair trial. We've we've seen people under the effects of various spells that they do things that they don't want to do. They're innocent, but they commit these crimes. We want to make sure that if he did what everyone says that he did, he goes through with this trial. But we just want to be sure if an innocent man is going to be killed. Well, well I assume that you you haven't met the beast. Nope, but I would like to. We, we'll see if, if you... Singing the same tune after you meet him. Could we meet him? I I think it would definitely help. We think he might not have been alone. F- 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 follow me, and the, the, then I'll I'll give you the, the details on his trial. And he would lead you back downstairs. He would wave to Ed. As if to say they're with me, and you would go down the hatch and into the basement, into the holding cells. You descend the cobblestone stairs into this dimly lit jail below the courthouse. To the north, you see empty cells. And to the southeast, you see a large cell. I think maybe it was 
used to hold groups of prisoners, but the figure you see before you, no man could ever be that large. You see this hulking monstrosity chained to a seat in the cell. No less than 12 pairs of masterwork manacles tie him down. He looks up at you, his greasy hair partially in his eyes. What do you want? To, To hurt me again? No, of course not. We're here to help. And you see him kind of grit his teeth. He starts to struggle a little bit at the chains. Barrister Koppel grows a pale hue. He's intimidated by the beast's actions. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, we're 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 telling the truth. You you see, we're we're just here 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 to talk. I I actually think you you and I might have a little bit in common. You know, see, I'm not exactly the most pretty guy either. <laughs> no, you're not. What is your name? Well, my name is Ekmer. But a lot of times people just call me Ick. Why are you here, Ickmer? Well, we've, uh, we've looked around the museum and we actually just want to hear, hear your side of things because, well, we're, we're just trying to, trying to really figure out what, what actually happened. Because, well, you know, we just want to find out. The beast looks up at you. You can see him kind of in the flesh. Part skin, part fur, feathers, a mongrel. He's stitched together, and the stitches almost look as if they're bursting at the seams. He has this, again, tuft of greasy hair and these lime green eyes that kind of stare at you and stare into you and stare past you. And as Ikmer mentions the museum, he begins to shake. And he starts to shake at his manacles and the chair. And it almost seems as if the chair and the manacles won't be able to hold something shaking this violently. And he starts yelling, I didn't do it! I didn't do it! I didn't do it! Oh, I believe you. In fact, I think you actually know and saw who did. And he begins shaking more violently as if he's kind of slipping. Wait, no, I, I, let me calm you down. 
Let me calm you down. Before you calm him down, I need you to finish your drink. Because we'll see you next week. Oh. I knew it. 